Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Network. And right now, I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend and is ready for the week ahead. I'm going to be talking about the weekend box office, some Star Wars news. But the first thing I want to get into is breaking news that happened a little while ago. And that is regarding Harvey Weinstein and the Weinstein case. And it was found today by a jury that Harvey Weinstein was found guilty on two charges on a five-charge count in which he was found guilty on a criminal sexual act in the first degree and rape in the third degree, and he was not found guilty on predatory sexual assault and rape in the first degree. And just to get into those charges real quick, I'm not anyone with a law degree, but going off of the articles of people that are working on this case and have followed this case intently, on the two charges that Harvey Weinstein is guilty on, he faces up to a maximum of 25 years on in prison and a minimum charge of five years and on the charges that he wasn't found guilty on which are the more serious charges in which it counted a rep of up to 25 years to life in prison and over the weekend those were the details and the charges that the jury was hung up on a little bit because of the evidence that was around there and they they didn't feel like that those acts while there was consistent rape. There wasn't a predatory assault involved in them. So he wasn't found guilty on those charges. But on the two that he was found charged of, there were multiple days of witnesses that came in and in response to Weinstein and having to to confess to things that happened and being so brave to put themselves on the stand. And this is a case that started really the revolution of Me Too and Today strengthens the case of Me Too that women who have been silenced for so many years aren't silenced as much anymore and that this is really somebody who was such a powerful media mogul within the movie industry crafting a production company that was a heavy hitter with indie films and award season and winning multiple Oscars throughout his tenure really and and somebody that people trusted found himself on the wrong side of the law and it's found in that case and this is a real big indictment of people specifically men in power who have held power predatory power against specifically women for so many years and the times that me too movement is solidified more solidly now than it maybe was a week or so ago in which you see somebody like this being taken away in handcuffs and disregarded for all the power that he has Harvey Weinstein was taken to jail, and he'll be sentenced on March 11th, and he's also facing charges in L.A., so this is going to continue onward, and I've been talking to people that have said oh, it's they're not as happy because he didn't get the additional charges that would have been put him in life, and I told them, and I'll say this, is the fact that he's going to jail for a long time and most likely will die in jail, and He's got the two charges here in New York, and he's got, again, the, what I just said, the charges in L.A. as well to add on to it. So, in inevitability, he is getting, he is going away to prison for life, really. It, it doesn't, he's not going away to jail on the charges that put him in jail for life, but when you add up all the charges that he finds himself guilty on here in New York, and what will most likely find charges in L.A. If, he, if and when he's guilty on any of those charges, It'll mount up to a life sentence in jail in which he's already at a at an old age. He's somebody that is in looks like every single day you see him in court. He is in failing health 
and doesn't look like he has a lot left to really stand on. So for Harvey Weinstein, it's it's not like he's a a 30 or 40 year old. He's 67 years old. Was born in 1952. If he goes away for 25 years, he'll be 90 years old if he even lives to be that long, and he will most likely die in jail as a a man that is not free, a a person who is in jail in cuffs for things that he did, accusations that are horrific and are now found to be true. And so for Harvey Weinstein, this is a, a day of reckoning for him. This is a day that is, for a lot of people, seen as a long time coming. And for the women that came forward, this is a day for them that, while maybe women that were a part of the charges that he was found out guilty on, I think as a collective, you can say that their voices were heard all around and that the charges that were accepted that he was found guilty on are charges that collectively they can see as he's going away for what he did to every single one of them and that every single year he is in jail is is a is justice for each of the women that he assaulted both sexually and physically as well as mentally as well and this is a, a a great day for the justice system for the prosecution for hollywood for america and that somebody who is was vile and somebody who really abused his power in horrific ways found his way in jail and justice was served for those women so i'm congratulations to the prosecution of of new york to the women of times up and me too and to the incredibly brave women who put themselves on the witness stand and you can go and look at the articles from people that were in the court that day and to hear all the brave brave recallings that they gave and were really just emotionally just pushing through it and were able to give great testimonies that the jury took into account and handed two charges that carry up to 25 years max on each of those sentences so for harvey weinstein this is a day of reckoning for him what do you guys think about this news let me know down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts now move on to the usual opening topic on mondays but because that was a huge story. I wanted to talk about it. Now to get into the typical Monday morning or Monday news cycle, and that is to go into the weekend box office that was this weekend. And it was a surprisingly tight race against a CGI dog and a CGI hedgehog with the hedgehog taking the number one spot for the second weekend in a row. That is Paramount's Sonic the Hedgehog grossing another $26.3 million, $106.6 million domestically, and over $200 million worldwide, $203 million to be exact. And this is great news for Sonic the Hedgehog. There was a little bit of worry that maybe the Call of the Wild would take its place, but Sonic was able to speed past it on the last day. And it seems like it's going to eclipse being the highest grossing video game film of all time, taking the mantle from last year's video game adaptation of Pokemon Detective Pikachu with Rhino Reynolds and Justice Smith. And so for Sonic, this is a, a great day for him. The movie was very enjoyable, especially for kids. They're going to have a lot of fun with this. I have no doubt that people are going to be anticipating a sequel, and there is room for a sequel in this. Seeing Jim Carrey was great. James Marsden was great. So this was this was a lot better than I expected it to be. I real I, I did enjoy myself with it. And for Sonic the Hedgehog, it's gonna keep churning out money right now. It's definitely gonna keep heading on to its run. And for again, the press, good or bad, with everything that happened with the the, the makeup of Sonic initially in that first trailer, it got people buzzing about the movie. People that both are kids and are fans who played the games when it first came out in the early '90s with Sega and have 
grown up with Sonic for many, many years, went out to go see this movie and enjoyed it and maybe came back for another round this past weekend and in the next few weekends, maybe that is the case because with Sonic, it's going to be interesting to see the next week or two because this weekend, you really only have Invisible Man going up against Sonic and even though that is a different demographic, it'll be interesting to see what wins most likely Invisible Man. I'll get into that in a little bit, but for Sonic, it doesn't have any family competition until the weekend after when Disney and Pixar come out with their first film of this year with Onward, which that will probably take the reins and take a lot of the demographic that Sonic is has right now to itself and add on to and take away from what it's going to add on with Onward. So Sonic in this next week or two is going to be interesting to see, and it's going to make up a lot of its money in the next weekend or two. Now moving on to the second film coming in this weekend, the runner-up, and that is The Call of the Wild, the film that stars Harrison Ford, grows $24.8 million here domestically, and it grows $40 million worldwide. Now, initially, when you look at it, and you look at a, a lot of the reports that came out on Thursday and Wednesday of a lot of the projections that this film was coming out with, it exceeded those expectations. It was only supposed to come in the teens, 10 to $17 million potentially, However, it, it overperformed slightly. And this is a case more of like what just happened about a month or so ago, a little over a month ago with Doolittle with Robert Downey Jr., in which it came above the expectations. However, it's it's not enough for the budget that this film has. And for The Call of the Wild, that is between $125 to $150 million budget. And when you look at something like A Birds of Prey, which underperformed, however... Because of its budget, it can recuperate that money in its next few weeks with The Call of the Wild. Even though it overperformed, per se, of its teen expectations, still to come in at $24 million with a $125 million budget, it needs around three to $400 million just to break even. And who knows if it's going to have that box, those legs for the box office. Again, we talk about Sonic, we talk about Onward coming out next week no excuse me not 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 well next weekend technically yes it's coming out it's not coming out this weekend on march 6th it comes out so it's got a lot pulling for it right now came out with good reviews 62 percent in Rotten tomatoes i enjoyed the film as well i surprisingly enjoyed it but because of its budget it's going to be a lot harder and for this kind of film they definitely could have reduced that budget because of the the usage of cgi with with buck and the other dogs that are in this film you could have removed that and the budget would have been lessened by an exponential amount and this $24 million would have been looked at as a mere positive instead of a positive and a negative like a battery. It's got good things about this weekend, but in the weekends to follow, will it have the legs to break even? And right now, that is not looking good. And for the now rebranded 20th Century Studios under Disney, this is the first big dud for Disney and continues the 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 underperformance of 20th century films under the Disney stewardship since it, the deal was complete last year. So not a great look for Disney 20th century right now. They're going to be looking to see what New Mutants does in a few months from now, and maybe it can get that back on track for Disney and Fox, but not looking good for 20th century studios right now as they move forward with their rebranded production companies moving forward not a great job for the call of the wild even though it did come above expectations with 24.8 million dollars this weekend now moving on to number three birds of prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one harley quinn or harley quinn birds of prey came came in at number three this weekend 
grossing $7 million, now has $72 million domestically and $173 million worldwide. Again, it probably it's going to most likely break even and come within the budget and recuperate the money it needs to. And it's able to do that because of the budget. The budget was around 90 to $97 million after marketing was attributed to it. And so it's able to have a modest box office run. Was this the breakout hit that Warner Brothers wanted? No, they're going to have to look at Wonder Woman 1984 for that. Tenet, In the Heights, they're going to have to look at their summer film release to get that money. But Birds of Prey can come off as not a huge success. It can come off as a okay success. And it still is a very good movie. It could still be able to recuperate some of that budget going forward. However, I think the demographic is going to be shifting in the next few weeks for other new releases that are coming out that might be for audiences' time looking forward. Coming in at number four is Bram's The Boy 2, grossing $5.9 million and $8 million worldwide. Not a great run for STX right now with this box office run for Brahms the Boy 2 coming off the success of the first The Boy which came out in 2016 this is a film that is right in line with a lot of the horror films that came out earlier this year you talk about The Grudge you talk about The Lodge you talk about The Turning films that did not do very well within the horror genre continuing that trend right now in 2020 however even though this comes in at a very modest budget it's still kind of like Fantasy Island gonna make enough money to budget its padding, but not have a huge breakout success run that you would want that STX attributed to the first boy movie. And again, continues the trend of the horror films, but it, hopefully next weekend, The Invisible Man is going to be able to take away this demographic. Blumhouse pull, puts forth a movie that people that they think are very confident in with Universal and are able to put in a lot of money towards The Invisible Man, which is look like they're going for right now and are hoping for that 20 plus million dollar opening weekend that Blumhouse can attribute to a movie like this and when you talk about Blumhouse and you talk about The Invisible Man you talk about how they're always on very low budgets and for something that could be around a seven million dollar budget to 20 million plus opening weekend I think is a big jolt for the the horror genre and needs that in 2020 right now in Blumhouse Universal's The Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss might just be that savior for this movie right now. Moving on to number five, Bad Boys for Life comes in at that spot grossing $5.86 million and now has $191.1 million domestically and over $300 million, and closing at that $400 million mark, it has $391 million worldwide to be exact. It was the number five film last weekend, and over a month in release, is still in the top five at the box office. It's having those legs. You have the charismatic nature of Will Smith and Martin Lawrence together with a very, very good storyline with a lot of emotion and, and comedic chops and action this is such a good movie that I thoroughly, every time I think about Bad Boys for Life, I just remember the the smile I had from ear to ear from beginning to end and just the sheer enjoyment I had with this movie it was such a delight a wonderful surprise to begin 2020 and to see it have great success at the box office I'm excited for a sequel and excited to see where this movie goes in the next few weeks now coming in at number six is the Oscar winner for best cinematography best sound 
1917, grossing $5.4 million, $151 million domestically, and $347 million worldwide. It's now entering the echelon of being amongst the highest grossing war films of all time, the highest grossing world war movie film of all time, going up there with the likes of an American Sniper, and being up there with the echelon of Academy Award-nominated war films and great war films in general. So for Sam Mendes and Roger Deakins and Dean Charles Chapman, even though this film didn't win Best Picture and Best Director at the Academy Awards, it's still a winner really where it matters most, and that is at the box office and with critics and audiences. It was a huge success and will go down in the record books as one of the best war films of at least at least within the last decade or two, and as one of the best highest grossing box office successes for a war film to come out in recent memory. Now coming on to number seven, that would be Fantasy Island, grossing another $4 million at the box office, $20 million domestically, $33 million worldwide, and again, one of the worst movies, probably the worst movie I've seen so far this year, amongst a lot of people's as well, and grossed 10% on Rotten Tomatoes, but for Blumhouse, I think they have moved on from Fantasy Island, again, a low budget with big reward, it's, it's definitely... It, outgrossed its production budget it, it is within the red and is being is able to have some kind of profit off of this movie no matter how bad it is it didn't have any reviews coming out its first weekend people went out valentine's day present weekend to go see this movie and even though it took a huge dip at the box office still at 33 million dollars for blumhouse they've made the money they need to make with this movie and now they're moving on to i think their prime project for at least this first quarter right now, and that is The Invisible Man, which they're looking for a huge box office intake for them right now. Basically, the domestic money that they have for Fantasy Island is what they're looking for The Invisible Man to make right now, or at least projection-wise they have it at, to make at around $20-plus million its opening weekend. So I think Blumhouse, even though they put out Fantasy Island, I think right now all their attention is toward the Invisible Man and making that the big success for them in this first quarter of 2020. Now moving on to number eight, which goes to Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, the best picture and best director, best foreign film or best international film and best screenplay, original screenplay winners at the Academy Awards, four-time winners at the Oscars this year. It grossed $3 million dollars. $48 million domestically and $240 million worldwide. A great success story for Parasite, getting a humongous bump after winning four Oscars at the Academy Awards this year. And a great job for Parasite as it goes on to be one of the best non-English films to exist at the box office right now. One of the highest grossing non-English films at the box office. So a great success story for Parasite moving forward. Coming at number nine is the only film remaining in December, and that is Jumanji, The Next Level, grossing $3 million this weekend at the box office, $310 million domestically, and four, excuse me, not 400, $787 million worldwide at the box office. An incredible feat for this movie, and the fact that it's still in the box office after this weekend, if it stays in here, I will be so surprised. It might be able to stay within this slot, the 9th slot, or the 10th slot next weekend since Invisible Man is the only big release coming out this weekend. So it might still have a shot to stay in the top 10 at the box office. But 
at this rate right now, over two months in into its run, it's still at number nine, surpassing the rise of Skywalker, Little Woman, and any film that's come that came out during that holiday window. It's still in the top ten of the box office. Tip your cap off to Sony, to Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Jack Black, Karen Gillan, Kevin Hart, everyone that was associated with this film that they're still in it right now. And the fact that it's still in theaters and most likely in the next few weeks will go be on digital and dvd in the next few weeks is astonishing so for jumanji the next level this is just adding padding to what is inevitably going to be a sequel to this franchise which will be the fourth installment in the jumanji franchise then coming out at number 10 is the photograph grossing 2.8 million dollars 17 million dollars domestically and 17 million dollars worldwide so what was a promising start for the photograph last weekend with valentine's day presence day weekend get the couples out to go see this movie it's a it's a it's a dramatity, it's a rom-drama, really, with some comedy elements in there, it looks like, with Issa Rae, Lakeith Streamfield. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like people want to come out for seconds with this movie, as it only grossed $2.8 million, and the fact that it has such a huge percentage drop-off does not bode well for this movie going forward, and most likely will be a bomb for Universal for this movie. Unfortunately, I want to see this movie. I'm hoping to see next weekend if it's still in theaters. And so for Issa Rae and Lakeith Stainfield, the fact that they had a good run initially but weren't able to follow up is troubling. But unfortunately, it's not going to be able to save this movie going forward. And that's going to be it for the top 10 at this weekend's box office. What did you guys think of it? Again, number one, Sonic the Hedgehog. Number two, The Call of the Wild. Number three, Birds of Prey. Number four, Brahms the Boy 2. Number five, Bad Boys for Life. Six, 1917. Seven, Fantasy Island. Eight, Parasite. Nine, Jumanji, The Next Level. And number 10 is The Photograph. What did you guys think of that list? Let me know down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now moving on to a little bit of Star Wars news that came out today, or really rather on Friday after I put up my podcast, and there was announced according to Hollywood Reporter exclusively that there is a new Star Wars project in development and that they have a writer and director on board for the project. In terms of a writer, they were able to get Matt Owens, who was a writer on Luke Cage and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to be on the Star Wars project, and they have assigned a director to be a part of it. J.D. Dillard, who is known for directing and writing a sci-fi thriller called Slight. And there is no news about whether this is a theatrical release or a Disney Plus release. But it has nothing to do with the Kevin Feige-produced project going over at Lucasfilm right now for Star Wars. Nor does that have any association with the still-in-development trilogy with Ryan Johnson at the head of that. This is going to be something completely different. But it's not known whether it will be on the big screen or on Disney Plus, the streaming service owned by the Mouse House. But I think the big positive thing about that you can come out of this is the fact of its diversified hires. The fact that J.D. Dillard and Matt Owens come from African-American descent and the fact that you get newer voices within the Star Wars universe I think is very interesting. And I would love for this to be a theatrical release. However, right now, according to Bob Iger, that right now the, fu the future focus of Star Wars is on the streaming service. Star Wars The Clone Wars just came out last Friday and it'll be premiering a new episode until the end of May, or the beginning of May, rather. Then, of course, you have two other live-action Disney Plus shows that are in development right now with the Cassian Andor series with Diego Luna, and, of course, you have the Obi-Wan series with Hugh McGregor. Even though that's been delayed, it's still in development right now and will be making its way onto Disney Plus within the next year or two once it gets into production. And, of course, you have the phenomenon that was The Mandalorian coming out with the second season in October so with Disney right now, all their chips are right now on the streaming service. But I, one day I do want to see Star Wars back on the big screen. And 
I think this is, again, more talent, more diversified talent that you can put on the table, that you can put a, be a part of this project that can be a part of what Lucasfilm wants to do. And you have Deborah Chow that's doing the, the Obi-Wan show from beginning to end. That's being a writer and a director for every single episode of that show. You have Bryce Dallas Howard that was a director on The Mandalorian. Rick Bukanaiwa was a director on Mandalorian as well. So you're putting in different voices that need to be part of, of the Star Wars universe and have different representation on there. And I think with J.D. Dillard and Matt Owens, you get that different flavor for the Star Wars universe that I think people want to see. And that's why I'm hoping it is a theatrical film. But if it's a Disney Plus show, then I'd be fine with that as well because I do think if the Star Wars, the Clone Wars show and the Mandalorian and whatever happens with Andor and Obi-Wan, if those shows are within the quality of what Mandalorian is and what we know Star Wars to be, especially on a streaming service, then I'd be more inclined to see what they do with Disney+. Plus. But I do think that this is this is more adding to talent that Disney has done, that Star Wars has done, and we got to see what it is. And I think they're, they're forming their plans with what they want to do right now, and I do think whether it is in the next month or so, I do think that at Star Wars Celebration, we will get an idea of what the the theatrical sense of what the future of Star Wars is going to be when it comes to TV and movies, we'll get a better sense of it at Star Wars Celebration this year. I think we have to. We have to know what the future of Star Wars is because I think now that the Skywalker saga is Skywalker saga is done with now, that whatever you may think of the sequel trilogy, that's over and done with, I think people are now looking forward to the future of Star Wars. Again, we've gotten a taste of that with The Mandalorian of what we can get with this, of what we can get with the streaming service, but things that aren't associated with characters that we love, new things. I think Rogue One is another perfect example of even though that is tied into Episode 4, it's new characters, new planets, new a semi-new story, even though it's based off of a plot point of Episode 4, I do think it being something, it was something new regardless, and I think those examples are things that we need in Star Wars going forward, and I think we have to hear something about it in this next year, because I think people, whether you have mixed feelings of The Rise of Skywalker, still have that in their minds, and I think because of the sequel trilogy, you need to get people excited about the future. What is the future going to hold? And I think it needs to be new, creative, exciting things going forward, and not rehashes of what we've gotten, because I think that hurt Lucasfilm a little bit with this with the sequel trilogy, even though it did get very good reviews for the most part and made a lot of money, but all three films, I think we need to see what's going to happen moving forward with this trilogy or even with the universe going forward. So I think we need to hear more about it and more about this project, Ryan Johnson's trilogy, what's going on with Kevin Feige, what's going on with the Star Wars universe going forward. And even though we're getting the Clone Wars and we're going to get all these other shows going forward, we need to know what the plan is. They're all... Ever since, again, comparing it to, to what the MCU has done, this is under the same utilage. What's the plan going forward? You need to have a plan in place. And I think every franchise always need, needs to have some kind of plan in place. And DC is able to kind of have a, a semi-plan of we're just putting great movies out there. We're, that's what we're doing. That's their plan. And as long as they consist with that plan right now and maybe it evolves over time, that's fine. With Star Wars, it's just too many things going forward. You need to have some – and you can have things – all over the place, but there needs to be some kind of plan involved with that. You need, there needs to be some idea of what's going on, and this isn't just willy-nilly going around the bend, and I don't think that's happening with Kathleen Kennedy, even though I've had some issues with what she's done over the last few years and how you have artists coming and going, and there's always a fallout when you assign these great artists. So I, I definitely think there needs to be some kind of plan moving forward with Star Wars 
right now. What do you guys think about this? Let me know anything down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. And the final thing I want to talk about today is the announcement that Parasite is going to be premiering on Hulu on April 8th. And, of course, this is the Academy Award-winning film for Best Picture, Best International Film, Best Director for Bong Joon-ho, and Best Original Screenplay, which is the first-ever non-English film to win the biggest prize of the night, the biggest one for South Korea, which never won the International Film Award when it was called Foreign Film. And so it was a big night for them, and this is a big day for Disney, who owns a majority of stake in Hulu now, that... I think people that maybe don't know it's on demand or I've already seen it in theaters and have Hulu accounts, I think this is a big, big win for them to get the streaming rights for Parasite right now. To, and, and it just shows how big Disney is looking at it and that a lot of mature content they host for Hulu, it goes to Hulu, it hosts on Hulu. And I think for Parasite to be put on there, I think people are going to be looking to watch that movie as many times as they can. And the, the rights right now are seem to be reserved for Parasite, but what do you guys think about Parasite being moved to Hulu? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Same Pistol Podcast, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. Check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Network, and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source of what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis, also, check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also, check out our brand new show that is on that is called The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson, giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. You can check them out on the website ambiguousproduction.com, also on Facebook and Twitter at RealAmbiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, make sure to follow me on social media on Twitter at Basel Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And on Facebook at Sam Basel. Thank you guys again so much. And until next time, keep on screening.